millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. What's going on, everyone? It's the Roka Report podcast. Back again, and Sunman have suffered yet another defeat in the Premier League. Oh, oh, classic. Yes, welcome back to episode 7 of the Roka Report. I'm your host, Damien. Today I am joined by the illustrious Power Rangers. I've got Tom here. How you doing, Tom? Yeah, not I'm good, mate. How are you? Actually, What about you, James? How you doing? Uh, been been better. Been Gav, well, we all know how you're feeling. Callum, how are you feeling? I'm doing all right, mate. Yeah. Well, that's everybody. Right, yeah, you're joining us, <laughs> as Gav said, um, off the back of a, a, a kick in the teeth from West Ham, like, um, scored in the last 10 seconds of the match with their centre back, which of course could only be done to Sunderland. Um, yeah, so we're here with the fallout of that. So, has anyone got anything optimistic to say before we get into this? No. We did look a little bit better. A, a, a smidgen, smidgen a better. smidgen. There was a tiny smidgen improvement this week. We looked and, better defensively, Tom, didn't we? Yeah, we did actually, mate. We, we looked a little bit better. I, I don't think we were amazing or wonderful. or I don't even think there was real signs of improvement, in all honesty, but we did look a little <laughs> bit better. Well, I mean, Corny looked like the... 15, 16 god that he was mm. last year, uh, didn't he? Yeah, he did well. Yeah, that's, that's it, isn't it, it really? <laughs> I, th- I found that we were passing a lot better after we got into the game, after the first 20, 30 minutes. I found that the passing technique for the team looks like they've actually been doing something in training for a change, which was good. And obviously, I think having Pinar on yeah. as well, I mean, a lot of people didn't rate him. I think he did really well in, in that position. I think he was like the crux of our midfield for a short time, at least. Yeah, I think the, the I think the defense looked a lot a lot better. That West Ham didn't have an answer really to um, to our ability to sort of uh, they couldn't well they couldn't play through the middle of us and they were uh, lofting balls in and we were tidying them up and you know we we seemed the defense seemed to offer a bit more of a platform for the for the team but the midfield were just giving the ball away. There were, you know there was just no there's no quality there. There's there's just not, you know, there's just not a lot going on in midfield. I thought, and Dong had a really poor game. Um, terrible, you know, game. it's it's it's, game. it's one of, yeah, it's just one of those things where there were, like you said, there were some promising signs. The defense looked better. Kone, you know, looked looked you know, quality. He was really composed. He didn't dive in for tackles. He was clearing everything up. But 
you know, there's just too many. Uh, there's there's too many players not performing, particularly in midfield. You know, we have no. If we, we have if no we like a bit, if, I think if we were playing a better side, we'd be beaten. I mean, West yeah. Ham, West Ham were poor. Oh yeah. Are they? I mean, yeah. they could easily be in yeah. trouble with us this year. I I, did, I wasn't impressed with them at all. Um, they would. They they had quite a lot, I guess, in the first twenty five minutes. But since the, after then, they kind of went missing. Um, we were lucky because. Looking back at the highlights, we could have easily given away two penalties. I think in the in the first twenty five minutes, but on the whole, like I thought, you know what, they were okay. They didn't create much. I mean, Kazri's missed by by far and away the best chance probably for either side um, when he went one on one in the second half. But other than that, I don't think we created anything, did we? I didn't see any. No. Terribly impressive. From from you got to look at like each game in isolation almost. And although there was some encouraging signs, if you look at the bigger picture at the same time, West Ham, like you, you've already mentioned, they've been absolutely dreadful. And to to come away thinking, oh, we should have we should have earned a point. A point would have been a good result against West Ham, who've been absolutely dreadful in all honesty this season. To me, is is the kick in the teeth that Damien was on about. Like it, it, there was signs of improvement, yes, but against a, a team that have really struggled this year. And it kind of speaks volumes for for where we're at, really coming away clutching at straws against another lacklustre performance. Unfortunately, well, I think we all said we'd give we'd give yeah. Lewis another week. We'd give him a bit more time, see if he can get anything out of the team. Um, we've got some questions as per usual. Sorry, I don't sound terribly excited, but yeah, we've got some brilliant questions <laughs> on Twitter. Um, <laughs> one of them's one of them's from Matt B. Who's saying, how about this? Is there a realistic argument for keeping Moyes? High number of sack managers isn't enough for a reason. He offers nothing. What do you think about that, Callum? Uh, the only argument I can see being made is is just blind faith, really, and that everything that's happening isn't really his fault. Um, you know, people want to think that eventually he'll find his team, players will come back from injuries, and, and it'll all be all right. But, you know... People think he should be given time because, you know, this hire and fire system that we've had is, is has caused the damage and Moyes is trying to clear it up. But, uh, you know, that seems to me to be not in line with what I'm seeing. It's not in line with, with reality. And a lot of the problems, and a lot of the instability that I can see is being created by Moyes himself. Um, you know, it's it, for me, it just all seems to be based on hope rather than anything of substance. Um you know, we're we're pretty much a quarter of the way through the season now, and and you know we've got to deal in reality. We can't deal in wishful thinking or hoping that you know hoping and praying that at some point it's going to get better and he's going to turn into this you know the the Everton manager from ten years ago. I mean, he's loaded the squad with with players that we can't rely on in Premier League games, and he spent good money doing it. And he complains about inexperience and he, while he's bought youth and he's loaned out players like Lenz and he didn't sign Vila and he didn't sign Yedlin and he, and and people think, oh, that's just a few players missing and, and, and that it's more significant than that. You know, there's something more institutional about it, but it doesn't have to be that complicated. I mean, you, if you look at Everton that when they last season, I mean, they've added uh, Idrissa Gueye and, and, and Ashley Williams to their team and they make all the difference. It's made them a completely different team. And, you know, we could have kept last season's squad together for like £10 million, £12 million. 
you know, you keep, you make sure you keep lens, you tell him what he needs to hear, you f- and you go from there. But Moyes has just made holes in the squad that didn't need to be there, and he's replaced them with less talented, inexperienced players for more money, or he didn't replace them at all. And people want to blame previous managers and that the club's rotten to the core. And But these signings have his fingerprints mm. all over them. And he's openly said that he wants young players. And then he says, oh, we're too inexperienced. And people feel sorry for him. I mean, there's no long-term job that requires mentioning relegation in the first home game. There's no secret genius guide to like long-term management that requires signing a bunch <laughs> of donkeys for £30 million. Pounds. I, you know, want him to have another transfer window. I just, you know... I, I don't want us to be afraid to sack the manager. It's, you know, he, he needs to be the best man for the job or he needs to go. And I don't want him to have more money to spend. I, he shouldn't have got the job in the first place, but he's got to go for me. He's just got to go. Oh, I don't know. Like, he, touch, on a, touch on a good point there, though, about the rotten rotten to the core statements. And for me, that there has to be some other problem. There has to be. The, take managers like Martin O'Neill, Steve Bruce... Uh, Gus Poyer to take to take all of those managers and somehow still year after year to be in the same situation mathematically to me just by the laws of average has to tell you that there's there's some other fault there and I don't know if anybody read it but Poyer had a, an interview recently and he just said that he could never read his finger on it but there was something rotten at the core of the club now to me that suggests like a real yeah. open swipe at people yeah. behind the scenes and if if you look at it all in all honesty Ella Short's a businessman. He, he's never been a lifelong Sunderland fan. He'd never come in here expecting to just have a team that he wants to do well. He's not Roman Abramovich. He's Ella Short, a man who invests in private companies to turn a profit. He owns a company that literally take distressed assets, so companies that are doing awful, and he figures out what he should do with their debt. Now, to me, that mm-hmm. sounds a lot like Sunderland, a distressed asset with a lot of debt that he's looking to make a profit on. I don't for one moment see him as some chairman of the people who just wants us to do well. I think that's all a big smokescreen. I think he's here because he wants money. And I think the fact that we haven't succeeded in so long suggests there's something wrong with his blueprint that's hurting our club. uh, To play devil's advocate, Tom, I'd say I'd agree with a lot of what you're saying. He's certainly not He's certainly not blameless in what what's gone on in the past few years, but it's be careful what you wish for. I guess you look at what's happened with with other clubs and owners they've they've brought in. You look at Blackburn with the Venkies, and you look at Leeds with uh, Italian Cellino. Yeah, I mean he, he's as mad as a box of frogs, and he's <laughs> you just think, <clears throat> yeah, he's not been the best, and he he probably could invest more, but by the looks of it. We've made we broke our transfer record this year in pretty much every every transfer window. We've spent twenty million plus. I mean, by the looks of that money's come out of his pocket. So he's done. He's, he's I guess he's done an okay job. Where his where the blame lies is people he's hired to to deal with transfer business for me because <clears> we've not had a good transfer window barring Sam last one that, since Steve Bruce. Like I mean, as Tom was saying, he. he he deals in distressed assets, and his job is to manage debt for these distressed assets. Now, all of that debt, you say he's putting his money, in, putting his his hand into his own pocket to give us this transfer budget, but he's not giving it for free. That's that's a loan. That's a loan to the club, and it's his job ultimately to get all of his money back. Do you know what I mean? So it's it's a bit like an investment. He's investing, but he's not investing 
for the benefit of the club, he's investing for the benefit of himself, of his own bank balance. I agree, and I think as well, David Moyes had some comments in, I think it was like August, August the 27th comes out in my head as the, the date, and he basically said that Sunderland can't compete financially with other clubs in the league. Now, to me, that suggests he already knew that he didn't have any money, or a limited transfer budget to spend from, and to like come into the season already knowing that, we as the fans should be questioning why. Like, why do we not have this money? Why is uh, Martin Bain coming out in the week saying that he's looking for efficiency? Now, to me, that mm. sounds like cost-cutting. I'm looking to cost-cut. I'm looking to make this club more streamlined. But ultimately, I'm looking to get rid of things mm. to make it more efficient. You don't add for efficiency. You get rid for efficiency. And I think on top of that, the very fact him and Moyes have this both journey idea, we're going on this journey, but we're more efficient, suggests to me that they don't care what happens this season, that it's a long-term project. And I think it's unfair for us to... Not unfair, because David Moyes does deserve some criticism. But I think you've got to look at the bigger picture other than just shouting abuse at David Moyes, because ultimately, he's not getting the support, is he? No, he's not. And you look at if looking at just from a football standpoint, I mean, Moyes, as you're right, we, we, should, we should give him as much time as we... As we, as we can, but I mean, we've dropped five points already this season from the 85th minute onward. Like that, to me, says something about the way he's setting up his teams and his lack of concentration. Um, that that statistic is is mad because if you think it was it Saints away, we, we could have could have got a could have got three points there. Mm-hmm. Could have got a could have got a point yesterday. Uh, Palace could have easily have got three points. The season would have looked very, very different, wouldn't it, if we'd have even seen out a couple of those matches. Do you think if we'd have, say, see if Pickford hadn't made that mistake against Saints and maybe we nicked a point yesterday, do you think people would be as critical of David Moyes as they're being? No, probably not. I wouldn't think so. No, because that, that would show, that would be success in, in a sense, wouldn't it? That would show more stability than we've, we're currently dealing with. And at the end of the day, that's it. We're not, we're not yeah. here to slag Moyes off as a person. I mean, we're not here to insult them just for the sake of it. We're, this is all genuinely, it's performance-based. It has to be. That job as manager of a Premier League, t- league team has to be performance-based. You, you, you have to be constantly checked. If you go on, a, I mean, look at the state of it. Isn't this like the worst start in the top flight ever matched only by us? <laughs> we yeah, even exactly. have our own record. <laughs> only Sunderland who are doing this. And it, oh, God, it's awful. The only team ever to lose, or not winning consecutive seasons after nine games only a team who's done it was like Berry in like 1903 yeah, it was 1905 to 1906 now so it'd be 111 years yeah. right, but you see they yeah but you see Berry had a long term plan and they, were, they, were <laughs> they all went on a journey after that the manager took them on a journey <laughs> yeah well you know it's the famous Berry journey of 1903-04. We all we all remember that from our from our footballing lessons. But I mean, I I I don't understand like where this faith in David Moyes comes from. I don't I don't get it. I mean, fair enough. There might be other stuff going on at the club. There might be this this these problems. But these signs have his fingerprints all over them, and he spent reasonable amounts of money. I mean, he hasn't spent a fortune. But he spent reasonable amounts of money, and that money could have been spent better. But he spent on what he's, he's gone out and he's and he's bought players who he knows, and he hasn't scouted them, and he's just gone, oh well, I know him and I know him, and my new chief scout knows him, and so and we've bought these players who 
there's there's no it's not methodical it's not scientific it's not it's not properly done and if you don't have time if you don't have time you don't have money don't change much you know it, it, it's it's as simple as that and he's made the decisions he's got control of the footballing side of things and all i've seen is bad signings bad changes unnecessary changes and the team set up in ways that doesn't make sense and and the players mm. not motivated that's why i and I don't see why, you know. Bad change. Billy Jones coming up for Bobby oh. Kasri with 10 minutes to go has got to be the worst substitution I've ever seen. When you're looking at that bench and you're bringing on Billy Jones as someone who might get forward and make a goal oh, or something. Wasn't it like... That was, was honestly, it I was it? laughing. That was wasn't in mind, laughing. was it? That wasn't in mind, really, was it? It was... It was a substitution made by a man who has no mm. faith in himself. That, that's what I think. Um, yeah. he, he he brought on a mm. defender in place of a midfield player. And I, to be honest, um, having watched the game, I didn't see where Jones even came on. Where was yeah. he playing? And what was the thought behind it? it was that a plan? Like just chuck a you defender know? merely by being a defender of some it kind. Seems so, it just seems so amateur, doesn't it? I mean, even if Kazri was tired, I'm pretty sure he could have seen out another five minutes of the game. It's not that, it's not that, is it? It's it's having faith in yourself to be able mm. to see a game out. And up until that point, um, we'd been fine. I mean, the first half was a poor, I would say it was a poor 20 or so minutes, the first 20 minutes, and then after that, we, we weren't bad. Um, but the second half, we were definitely in the game, and I thought, you know, I was, I was looking at around 90 plus one and going, yeah, we've deserved a point today. We defended quite well. Um, West Ham weren't particularly brilliant, but whatever they did have, we, we seemed to be okay with it. Um, and the grand plan was to take off a midfielder for a defender. Now, I'm not saying that was the reason we conceded. I'm not saying that by any means. But what it did do to us was push us back a lot further than we wanted to be. And and I know that, I know that David Moyes thinks that their goal was offside and it's debatable, yeah. isn't it? It wasn't I mean, like. No, I, I, haven't, I, I thought actually, it was I've initially, seen, but I haven't watched it back now. No, I've seen I've seen a number of um, clips from behind the goal, mm. and I'm not sure we've really got a case for for claiming that as an offside. But um, whose legs did it go through? It was, <laughs> like, isn't that the first thing you taught you know I mean? as a defender to not get megged? And he's done it twice in two games. Like it's. It's just it's just amateur stuff, and it? it's it's not. I mean, we're we're nitpicking him. All right, he shouldn't he shouldn't have his legs as wide open. In the context of a game of football, you really don't know you're doing that. I've played football myself, and if the ball mm. goes through your legs, it's just one of those things. I think the wider issue is that he was even on the pitch. To be honest, you know, yeah. he he was he was underprepared. What was his role? Had we worked on that all? Was that the plan? If we're nil nil five minutes ago, we'll bring on Billy Jones for Wabi Kazri. It was just a, it, was, it just seemed like a safe, <laughs> illogical, illogical with the yeah. word I was thinking of. He, he did not have any sort of thought behind that situation and it led yeah. to me yeah. to their goal. And that, that's it. Every week we're, com- we're constantly, David Moyes has come, he came out after the game and he said something to the effect of things like this happen in football. And I, and I saw somebody, I can't remember who it was, but somebody quoted that tweet on Twitter and said, it's the fourth time it's happened this season, David. You know, it's not the first time and we're making the same mistakes. We, we bemoaned it at the start of the season and the opening weeks that his substitutions were poor. And 
we're still nine games in, talking about how his subs are poor. Well, and it's just, for me, on it's that, so on that note, I'm, whole, I'm so frustrated. The whole concept of like, what we've got on the bench, who we've actually got available in our squad depth, or rather our lack of squad depth. Um, we've got another question from Dan Williams, who's asking, everyone's banging on about injuries, but how many first-team players are actually to come in? What do you think about it, Don? Uh, you know, injuries have definitely hampered us by all means. But, and we've spoke at length in saying that there's there's something obviously wrong at training if we're getting so many injuries that seem to be muscular. Um, but for me, with maybe the exception of Lee Catamore, realistically, who's going to come in that squad and make a lot of difference? Um, Kershaw, I think, I mean, Kershaw has been sort of, maybe he hasn't been at full fitness, but He's been indifferent this season, in all honesty. Agreed, but agreed, but he cannot be any worse than what we've no. seen last few No, no, definitely, definitely not. But I think at the same time, you know, even if you, even if you bring those players into the team, how much of a difference is there going to be right now? I'm not 100 percent certain, in all honesty, if there would be a difference. Um, um, I, I, can I, can I just, sorry, I just think I think in terms of. As a team, the difference it would make at the point we're at, where we're so low in terms of confidence that any sort of impact from a player like Kirchhoff or Catamore would surely bring on players like Ndong, who is, to be honest, he he is. I think he looks a lot worse than he probably is because of the te- the players he's playing oh, with. Yeah. The fact he's playing so much football, I don't think when we signed him we ever envisaged that he would play as much as he has, and he has played a fair bit, and. If you had the choice, um, I don't know about the midweek game against Southampton, but at the weekend, you would. If you had the choice, you probably wouldn't play him because he was our worst player for me at the weekend. And he, and he, he seems to be playing like a lad who's just a bit lost, and he maybe needs to be taken out. And we don't have the options, unfortunately, to remove him from the situation, which is a, which is a big issue, really. We're a Premier League club, and and we don't have anybody to replace this guy, and it's. It's becoming worrying. So, in, in from my perspective, um, the sooner you get back to centre midfield player, to just give us some other options. Is the <sighs> that's going to be the big one? You've got to say that, like, I think Katz, Kershaw alone make an, an unbelievable difference. I think Fabio Verini would make a massive difference. He he runs. Not only does he work his tits off, but he'll actually it just seems to make a difference. Duncan Watmore, he seemed, don't get me wrong, works his arse off, you know, he's, he seems, he's an okay, okay not a player, but he's not, <laughs> he's, not he, he's not Tom, he's not a winger, and he's, his decision making is just, we we talk about it every week, and you just think, I'd love someone to just tell him, you know, take a breath, you know, when you've got the ball, put your, put lift your head up and actually try and pick a pass, because he's, he looks like a worse version of James McLean mm. at times for me. For me, though, I think you're right, but I think just even if bringing, like, say, Kershaw and Catamull are fit and going to that team, surely just the confidence seems to be so low at the minute that we're looking for some lucky break to actually make a difference at the minute. I I don't know if bringing players into the team would necessarily make a difference just because of how bereft of confidence we've looked. I think Catamull, you know 
a couple of trademark catamol tackles in a home match would lift everyone. Honestly, something as, as simple as that, I think Lee so. Catamol getting stuck in, would I make think a we're huge difference. We're missing somebody to put the stamp on a game. Like, exactly. The first 20 minutes of that match at the weekend, uh, West Ham had the run of it. and There was nobody trying to... To show a look, we're Sunderland and we're here, you know. There was nobody doing that. When when that happens in a game, when when the first five minutes aren't going in Sunderland's favour, you can count on Lee Catamol to hon. And I'm not saying that's yeah. that's gonna you know long term and all this. At the end of the day, in a game of football, sometimes you just need somebody to show that you're there, and we don't have that. Exactly I mean, right. That, I said to the lads when I, I went to the match with on Saturday, looked at that centre midfield last year of Kershaw and Villa and Catamol. I'm sorry, there's. No one wants to play against that because you've got two lads in Catamol and who have got a nasty streak. They 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 will they they will go and end someone if needs be. And Kershaw, you know, he'll get stuck in as well. And at the present moment, Jack Rodwell is <laughs> I, I say every week, but he's awful. He's got a question. Awful. Awful. You know, can I just sorry just just to jump in there though? Uh, this really shocked me because check the stats after the game. I know stats don't tell the true story necessarily, but. Um, Rodwell's tackling stats were better than any Sunderland player on the pitch. He completed something like eight tackles in the whole game. But I mean, to me, watching the match, he never stood out at all. And I thought he was pretty anonymous. But, well, we've got a um, question about Rodwell, actually. Kind of, yeah, well, I, was, I was just about to say yeah. it leads me on to that, really. Because is his job being fulfilled at the minute? Is he really a defensive midfielder? Because I know, I know a lot of people are kind of looking at him now and going, What's the point, Jack Rodwell? Is he, but is he even been playing the right this place? Where is the, 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 the question we've got about him is if, if we're stuck with him uh, until injured players get back, where's the best position for Rodwell? That's from Carl. There's no word best to play him. I'm sorry, like he was bought and he sold himself as his box-to-box midfielder, which is utter rubbish because he can't get up and down the pitch because he's scared. Um, he's not a defensive midfielder. He might have com- completed eight tackles. To be honest, I didn't... That might be true. I didn't see it. As as you said, I barely saw him have any impact. He's not a goal scorer midfielder. He can't. I don't think he can pick a pass. He's got no creativity. I mean, it's thirty two games he's played, started for Sunderland, and we've not won. He's awful. I mean, the the thing about Rodwell is uh, one thing he does he does do, which I've which I've noticed is you know, you've got like your your Catamol Kirchhoffs and, and and people like that who. They don't. They don't really get themselves into advanced positions or arrive into the. Whereas Rodwell, he, he, I mean, the problem is he doesn't finish a lot of the chances that he gets, but he always he, he seems to be a, a, one of the one of the best midfielders we've got to arrive into the box and get himself some kind of chance or you know that like that chance against Leicester last season when he came on and he skied it over the bar you know with like we was one on one with the keeper and. I mean, he he missed it, and he and he and he's and he's not, uh, he, he's by no means uh, perfect at all. And you know, if we had our choice, we probably well, we definitely wouldn't pick him to start a game because we'd never win. But um, he he has that he has that tendency to just to get into attacking positions that other midfielders don't. So, but it's very difficult because, like you said, he lacks the confidence and the conviction to to finish the chances off and and. And he seems to go missing in games when he's in a deeper holding role. So it is a it is a conundrum as to where to play him or or, or what he is. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't like to. I have to say, I wouldn't like to make that decision. I wouldn't like to try and find a position to play him in. Well, by fear, isn't he? 
I feel yeah. like it's whole game's held back by the fear of getting injured or yeah, exactly. The, right. the fear of pulling a hamstring. He's he's terrified, and he the pool. And I feel awful for him in all honesty because undoubtedly he's a talented player. In all honesty, you know we've seen him in the past play very well. Have we? We not at not at Sunderland. <laughs> I've seen him on Sky Sports play really well, <laughs> but I, I just feel awful for him. I think. We've said it a couple of seasons, really, but this is his make-or-break season, isn't I'm it? I'm past it, Tom. I, I, yeah. I used to feel awful for him, but now I've just got the point where it's just—it's mostly rage. <laughs> like he, he's just—he's <laughs> just rubbish. I, he's really—he's—I I don't buy into the fact that I think he was a young Englishman who made his st- uh, stamp on a couple of games for Everton, and I think the media ran with it. And it's one of these typical. Uh, he was a bit of a media darling and he got all of these transfer rooms where he was linked with United, wasn't he? And he was linked with Chelsea and everyone. You know, next big big thing, Jack Rodwell. Um I've never I've never seen him perform for England or for Everton or anyone that that warrants him getting any sort of hype. Kind words there for Jack Rodwell if he's listening. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure this will this will help him. Love you, love you, Jack. Really love you, Jack. Right. I suppose now we should probably take a brief look towards Wednesday. Obviously, it's a cup match. I'd completely forgotten about it to be honest, and I'm, I must say I'm proper dreading it now after what I saw yesterday. But um, yeah, we got Southampton on Wednesday. Oh, can anyone feasibly see us getting anything from that? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> you know the problem for me. You know the problem for me is that Southampton have actually built their squad around um, playing in a cup competition. Obviously, they're, they're playing in the Europa League, so they have team essentially for the Europa League, um, which I would imagine mm. would play against us. So um, there's players who will come in. They they have enough depth to deal with that. The problem we have is that our depth is non-existent. So you would imagine players like. McNair, Jilabji, um Donald Love even, you know, are, are going to come in, Anachebi maybe, and that just fills me with dread, like Christ almighty. Can you imagine Anachebi trying to play against Van Dyke? Anachebi's Twitter skills today were superb though. I think it's become a case of who hasn't been blocked by Victor Anachebi. <laughs> yeah, is, is he <laughs> making an attempt to block all Sunderland fans so no one sees that? <laughs> anybody, anybody who's pointed out the fact that he's an idiot has been blocked. That's um, absolutely superb. So basically, if you've tweeted about Victor and Cherry, just click on his Twitter there and see have I been blocked? Because I have. Broke <laughs> um, report does exist. Actually, we're still there. He hasn't blocked us, even though we put a tweet out that's got about a hundred retweets um, regarding his his. <laughs> God, well, I don't know how to explain and if, it. And if anybody who doesn't know what happened with Victor and Ichibi on Twitter, basically he put a tweet up and it said, if, if he'd actually written it properly, it should have said, unbelievable support yesterday and a great effort by the hard result to take, but we go again. He forgot, though, whoever sent him and told him to put it on his Twitter, said, can you tweet something like, unbelievable support yesterday so he managed to leave he just so the, only question, the, the only question that remains really is did the club send that message to him or did he send that message to his PR people who runs his account he sent it to himself because he's, he's two people he's like got a split personality did you, did you see the photo of him stood with Jill Abodji and Gunny on the pitch with the headphones yeah, and the that. phones out like no. before the game 
he tweeted, he sent that to himself and saved it in his drafts. He was like, regardless of what happens, I'm going to save this in my drafts and I'm going to send it on Sunday afternoon. Looking back at the game, um, Saints, I mean, they... What it, it must be lovely to support a team like Saints, wasn't it? Whenever they get rid of a manager, they seem to bring another manager in that works. Their club's built around a system that seems to work. Well, that's um, what we're craving, isn't it? We're craving an identity, which yeah, is what exactly. we have. I mean, it doesn't, it doesn't matter what they do. They can sack any manager. They can sell any player, right? They've got a system in place from top to bottom that ensures they're fine. It's like, yeah. we don't have that. I mean, that I can kind of see... I know that the interview with Martin, I know we're, we're kind of diverting from the mm. game here. The interview Martin Bain did with the club website where he, he spoke about having a long-term plan and Moyes in charge f- to foresee that, essentially. Um, to me, it it's not enough, really. Like, Southampton have built on this year on year to make sure that whatever they do, they're fine. And it kind of saw them through a tough period where they were in the, they were in the third division, essentially. And found themselves back in the Prem and like Sunderland's plan is to what give it to David Moyes I, I really envy them like I, I just see them selling players like Sadio Mane for 34 million and then they're replacing with Nathan Redmond who a lot of people weren't sold on when he was at Norwich and then he's like he he's the doing the job he's and it's like that's the player I really wanted at Sunderland man. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just a player that I really wanted at Sunderland and we don't have the foresight to look at someone like that and go 11 million mm. yeah Worth it, you know. With let's yeah. go in and sign a player later. So I really envy them from that point of view. But on top, of it, they're able to compliment players like that with with youth players who know. Sam McQueen sure. looked class McQueen. last week. Well, I, honestly, class. right? I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna like fill you full of shit or anything. I've never watched the lad play. I've seen I saw him on the pitch today, but I really wasn't paying attention to the game. But the fact he's playing week in week out now, like the last mm-hmm. couple of weeks, he's been starting games for them. Yeah. It's like who is he? He's come out of nowhere and he's starting games. Like we are. We are not in a position to give that sort of freedom to a player. We can put what more a gooch in a game, Aye. but it makes no difference because we're struggling. Like they aren't I mean, struggling, you know. If you if you look at their if you look at the players, some of the players they've got rid of over the last few years. I mean, the Klein who's gone to Liverpool, Lovren who's gone to Liverpool, Alderweireld's gone to Tottenham, Shaw's gone to Man United, Mane's gone to Liverpool. You know, Wanyama's gone to Tottenham. There's so many players who've left, and you know that. That could, that could cripple a team like a, a, a small team losing those sorts of players. Even if you get the mm. money in, you've got to reinvest it years, properly, and you've got to have the system set. Up yeah, and you've you've got to have a system where you can you can go out and you can identify the right players for the positions, and you put and you and you get those players, and those players play in that system in that position, and and it's 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 unbelievably <laughs> simple. How they how they do it? I'm sitting. Well, I'm just sitting you know, there thinking. It works. Southampton were singing their praises, and then we've got Arsenal like three days later. Do you know what I mean? It's I just like Christ of money. Who, who would Tony? You know who who it is. People play really who would people play against Saints? Genuinely, the, what changes the first team? Make? No, you've got to you've got to just play what well David Even Moore, has to Arsenal. play. Like, it doesn't just, matter. You need to try and get momentum. If you can get you know, players yeah. to win, you need to get them in there. You, Some... You'd need to take this like a league game. Someone made this point, didn't they, around the QPR game? Like, should we field a, a weekend team? Do we team have a weekend team? So it was the point made around the QPR game that should we field a team that isn't going to play on the Saturday? Um, we did that actually, didn't we? We played like McNair and he, he 
he kind of shone a little bit and we played a different system as well when Dong played wide right kind of and, mm-hmm. and it worked and then come the Saturday mm-hmm. we were back to square one I can't remember who we even played but we probably lost <laughs> but the point is the point oh, is sorry. like ah, it was it was a Palace, Palace? game are you right? oh, it was Palace. Um, the, po- the point is that I think we're at a stage now where any win has to be taken seriously so if we have an opportunity to beat Southampton and gain some momentum from that. Bear in mind, they're a pretty team. They're going to make changes. Like I said, they've got a different squad for cup games as they have opposed to Premier League games, and that's probably better than what we've got. But the point is, I think we have to take it serious in, in, the, in the sense that if we can win this game, it means a lot more coming into the Saturday, doesn't it? It's yeah. like we, yeah. we, we, we lose, we lose, and then it, it makes everything mm. look a lot harder. And I think you've got players like out of form who need a good performance and maybe yeah. a way tie at Southampton's what's gonna give them that, you know. I'm I'm I might open myself up to a, a whole world of criticism here. But um I'd genuinely consider maybe taking Defoe out. I would agree I, with I that. think if the way the way we way we're playing, lumping a ball up, a bit each of is not very good, but he's he's a big lump. And you know, like he, if he if he's able to hold the ball up and he can bring people into play better than Jermaine can, it's worth it's worth a go. Unless you play two up front, you play both of them. I just think maybe, maybe I would take say Jermaine for, out because for the he's, he's... Going to the cup match because I'm just convinced that playing this cup match a few days before Arsenal, I'm get, you can almost get it's written in the stars that we're going to get at least two more injuries. Do you know what I mean? I don't, he, Jermaine Defoe's played every game. He, he's Obviously, he has to because he's pretty much the only real threat we have. And I reckon we'll get something oh, to get Carl. Like, I, 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 honestly, it, 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 I think we'll get a point or something, and it'll paper over some yeah, some pretty yeah. substantial cracks. I think more than likely, I can, I can always see that that team maybe maybe bringing it out against like the big like, the big boys. It's on the telly as well, and you think this might be one of the games where they turn up. Um, I hope so. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, we all hope so. Without doubt, <laughs> we're not alone there. But I mean, uh, talking about Arsenal, then um, I mean, I, I don't foresee us getting anything out of the Southampton game. Um, talking about Arsenal briefly, uh, the the quality in that team. I mean, like you say, we can we can get it. We can get a point out of it potentially. Potentially, we can get a point if they have a really bad day. But I'm looking at their players and thinking, we haven't got anyone. To deal with that threat, do you know what I mean? Every single player I look at, all midfielders, everyone, I'm just like, we, who, who's going to deal with that? Who's going to handle that? And but don't forget, we we weren't bad defensively, Damien. At, yeah, at but the that weekend. was that, that was West Ham, and like, yeah, as I said earlier, they yeah. they have had a really really bad start to the season. I know it's it's almost as bad as ours, but they've actually managed to steal a couple of wins. West Ham. I mean, one one of the one of the things that we tend to to do that I've I've noticed is, you know, if Arsenal try and pass their way through us and score the perfect goal, then we'll we'll probably you know we'll probably be compact enough to to withstand mm-hmm. that. If they, they probably won't be you know sending crosses in because that's not their style, but we leave a lot of space on the edge of our box in every game, and if they pull the ball back and they've got someone like Sanchez waiting on the edge of the box, then you know that that would be my concern because we've seen it against Southampton, when, you know, against Crystal Palace. Against West Ham, there's all there's goals have come from basically players hanging back on the edge of the box, finding space, and 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 hitting a shot, and, and more and quite often 
it goes through bodies and it goes through legs and it goes in. You know, it happened. It's uh, it happened against Stoke as well. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of space on the edge of the box, and 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 with Arsenal's quality, you know, with their with the with the players that they've got, that I would see a goal coming from that um, rather than from anywhere else. I don't think we'll get anything. I think one of these things will be like, oh well, they're so good that we'll probably get a point because that's the way we do things. Of course, anything can happen in football, but realistically, you have to say that the way we're playing, the way they've been playing, particularly the way they've been defending and, and you know, the attacking players that they've got in form, you know, in our home form as well. You, logically, I know football isn't particularly logical, but logically, there's 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 only going to be one outcome of that game. Um, and, and, of course, I'd like to see a different outcome. I'd like to see it, you know, kind of be so unlikely that it just becomes... Uh, it just it just becomes reality. But um, if, you know, I, if you look at their if you look at their squad, and you look at their look at the way they've been playing, I know they've been great at the weekend, but I can't see anything other than a defeat. Bloody so, hell, this is so depressing, um, isn't it? I can't remember the last time it was this bad. Can you imagine <laughs> this, like next time on the next episode? Will there be any of us left? Do you know what I mean? Two defeats, not I, just I, one. I yeah, you did, you did. Dead, That's right. I, I forgot to. <laughs> I've got to uh, make a big hoo-ha of that. I bet you've never regretted so it. Look, it, it I bet you we should stay down there, uh, bottom of the sea. What the, what, the li- what the listeners can't hear or see is that Tom's just ate a snuff on Skype. <laughs> right, I'm just going to point out. Sorry, I can't let this go. It was great. I've just watched him do it. He's picking his things down. I don't know said it. I can still feel it. Cameras playing tricks on you down, mate. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair though um, it was delicious <laughs> it was I it was absolutely lovely but <laughs> wrapping it up though I guess <laughs> maybe that's probably the only the only conclusion to come to at the end of this is I'm more interested in picking me nose than <laughs> any more time talking about our future results unfortunately <laughs> It's not on the other side. So, yeah, all right, then. Well, thanks for joining me, as usual. Um, oh, Christ. Yeah, we look forward to Wednesday, I suppose, now, don't we? I don't suppose anyone's got a ticket for the game. No, me neither. I would. I nope. think if someone offered me one for free, I wouldn't <laughs> take it now. And Southampton's normally the one that I go to. It's I go there more often than any other stadium. But, yeah, all right. Well, thanks for joining us on Episode 7 of the Roker Report. Uh, hopefully next week I keep saying this hopefully next week we'll have some really good news to bring you and not more of this utter depression so yeah from all of us here this is the Rocker Report signing off Flexibility is great that's why there's yoga Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. 
Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.